0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you. Another Monday evening where we will continue our reflections into these very, very rich chapters, chapters 12, 13, and 14 from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And in doing so, really wrap up our discussion on the charismatic and spiritual gifts. And I will do this uh, with Debbie Rizalos because I do have her in studio with me. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. It's
1: great to be here.
0: Debbie, before we go any further... We were praying the our father and you know we start each and every program here on seeds of truth with the our father and we can have that tendency to just say the words but not Mm. pray the words right and before we went on air here we were talking about forgiveness do we pray those words forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us
1: (laughs) there's the hitch (laughs) it really
0: is it really is debbie and There is brokenness all around us, all around us, and I need forgiveness. I need to forgive others. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is right that we open up each and every program with the Our Father, because of course this is the prayer that our Lord taught us, but He taught it to us for a reason, Mm -hmm. that we would reflect and contemplate the significance of these words. And uh, so, pray the Our Father when we pray the Our Father. Now, we do have a lot to get into here, Debbie, so I do just want to jump in. As I noted, we're going to wrap up our discussion um, on the charismatic and spiritual gifts, and we are also going to talk about women in the church. Mm -hmm. Certainly uh, something that we need to talk about. I probably don't talk about it enough. I know when I was on the uh, phone with you earlier, I said, I don't know if I've ever really devoted a whole program to that, so at least this will get that discussion started now. To go where we need to go this evening, I, I did want to read from George Montague. We've been pulling from him off and on. George Montague uh, is the commentator to First Corinthians in the series, uh, the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture series. So, Debbie, if you can get us going with what George Montague has to say on what the gifts of the Church are all about.
1: So it's titled, How the Gifts Build the Church. One way to understand the variety of the gifts and offices in Paul's letters is to see them as expressing and fostering the various elements that are essential to community life. The community is essentially one of worship and praise, the function of tongues, in which the Word of God comes alive with a now meaning, the gifts of prophecy, interpretation, words of wisdom and knowledge, it needs to integrate these fresh insights with the tradition via teachers. It is a community that administers wholeness to its members and to others via healing and builds up their faith through constantly fresh surprises of the Spirit via miraculous powers. It also is a human community that needs many services, including administration It is a community that reaches out to those who have not yet heard the good news via evangelists. Finally, it seeks the unity of the Spirit, and that means a continuity not only with the larger community of the church throughout the world, but also with the community of the past, going back to the authentic tradition that stems from the risen Christ and the primitive Jerusalem community. The apostle fulfills this function. He is the visible link between the community of believers and the risen Christ and the assurer of continuity in the tradition. Catholics see this role fulfilled today in the bishop.
0: Amen, Debbie. You know, it wasn't something I was thinking about earlier, but as you were reading, I couldn't help but think of the importance of appreciating the gifts around us we spend so much time focusing in on the gift that is being given to us, discern that gift, urgently desire the charismatic gifts, but in doing so, are we placing too much of an emphasis on I as opposed to thou? We have to be present to those around us and appreciate the gifts that God has given to those around us, because by doing that, it really does not only build up the body of Christ, but encourage that person to continue to work out that gift, if you will, to strengthen that gift. And yes, focus in on the gift that God has given to you. Focus in on the musical instrument, if you will, that God has given to you that you might contribute better to that symphony that is the body of Christ. But be assured, you serve the body of Christ by applauding the gift that God has given to others, uh, because in that applause, what you will quickly discover is an elevation of the body of Christ, and, and in so many ways, how that better serves the body of Christ as a whole.
1: And that's the, the beauty of the Christian life, I think, is, yes, the appreciation of your brothers and sisters. Who's with you in the, in the fight, as it were, or in the symphony? Yes. In uh, Who do you have to your left and your right? And Boy, be appreciative of who God's put to your left and to your right, before and behind you. Himself, for sure. Saints and angels, for sure. Mm-hmm. But the embodiment of Himself are yeah. in your brothers and sisters. Yes. And you're making this beautiful music in praise and glory to God together. You can't do it alone.
0: And you can't make that beautiful music if you're getting ahead of yourself.
1: Right. Or, you're not in time. or
0: That's right. Or behind someone else. Yep. You know, my kids are involved in music and mm-hmm. they are part of, um, musical plays. And the moment someone is off key in any way, shape or form, everyone is affected. That oh, mean, right. Yes. We it's we like all, dominoes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we all know what that's about. Yeah. Huh? And what God wants us to see is that, well, what that's about is what the body of Christ is about. Right. When you are mm-hmm. off key or if you are not playing when you should play, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. If you're not playing when you should play, then everything becomes disjunctive everything becomes disordered and we are not in rhythm we are not in continuity we are yeah. not in harmony right which is a very important word in the life of every christian and catholic because really that's a word harmony that gets to the heart of god mm-hmm. we have to remember that the very word shalom in its hebrew means covenant harmony mm-hmm. so if we are going to be peacemakers we need to be well a in covenant harmony with who we are before God, and also be in covenant harmony with those who are around us. Very, very important in the Christian and Catholic life, because if we don't have that, then it's all run amuck.
1: And isn't that exactly what Paul's doing here with Corinth?
0: Yes. This yes. is
1: exactly what Paul is trying. He's going, okay, guys, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not and four, he- two, <laughs> five, right? right? And he's trying to bring some order To this disordered group of ragamuffins and make a symphony out Mm -hmm. of them, like God is with all of us. Yes.
0: Amen. Well, as you bring up Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, let's go ahead and go there, Debbie, and jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I will go ahead and read verses 33 to 40. We left off at 33, so I'll go ahead and start Mm -hmm. there and uh, take it to verse 40, which is the conclusion of chapter 14 for god is not a god of confusion but of (laughs) peace there you go (laughs) Mm -hmm. as in all the churches of the saints the women should keep silence in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be subordinate as even the law says if there is anything they desire to know let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church what did the word of god originate with you or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that what I am writing to you is a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brethren, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently, I love that word, and in order. All things should be done decently and in order. Yeah, this one says and in properly,
1: order. so I like that, decently and in order.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh, essentially what Paul is saying here in the Greek is there is a spiritual etiquette to the body of Christ. is isn't really that what we have been talking about. You, right. you focused in on the word order, Debbie, and there you have it. But all things should be done decently and in order because our God is a God of order, order harmony. Now, all that being said, as I've already uh, hinted at, we are going to talk about women here this evening Mm -hmm. and the role of women in the church. And we're going to do this because certainly when you read verses 33, 34, 35, you read those and think to yourself, well, what is Paul saying there? Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have to be clear that he has already said that women can uh, pray and prophecy, right? Mm -hmm. So he's not saying that they don't have a role in the church. It appears here that what saint paul is doing essentially is saying women are not called to preach or homilize in front of the congregation mm-hmm. right? they have their place it's just not that right right so this is not a situation where paul is condemning women or nope. disparaging women at all no and point of fact when you really go into paul's epistles excuse me you see anything but that right he's constantly surrounding himself with women because yep. why Women elevate Mm -hmm. the body of Christ. How do they do that? Before we really get into our dialogue here, Debbie, I did want to read from St. John Paul II in his apostolic letter on the dignity of women and their vocation in the life of the church. And this is what John Paul II has to say. The church gives thanks for each and every woman. The church gives thanks for all the manifestations of the feminine genius which have appeared in the course of history. In the midst of all peoples and nations, she gives thanks for all the charisms which the Holy Spirit distributes to women in the history of the people of God for all the victories which she owes to their faith, hope, and charity. She gives thanks for all the fruits, and I love this phrase, of feminine holiness. Mm -hmm. Of feminine holiness. So there you have St. John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great, talking about the feminine genius Mm -hmm. and feminine holiness, we first have to ask the question, what does St. John Paul II mean by using that phrase, feminine genius? What is in the feminine quality or the feminine attributes that makes it so genius, right? St. John Paul II would say this, and I'm paraphrasing this, okay? He says, we have to begin by using the phrase, the sacramentality of the body. Mm -hmm. Because for St. John Paul II, as we are created in the image and likeness of God, everything about who we are in our physicality, Debbie, is created in the image and likeness of God. Look at man. He is a giver, Mm -hmm. right, in who he is as a physical human being. Look at woman. She is a receiver in who she is as a daughter of God. So there is a starting point for St. John Paul II. We have explored this in great detail in Reflections on Theology of the Body, but very pertinent here, Debbie. What does it mean to be a receiver as a woman? What does it mean to be one who nurtures? What does it mean to be someone who likes to nest? What does it mean to cultivate? This is what a woman is about in her feminine genius. St. John Paul II would also highlight the woman's sentimentality how she is sensitive, right, Mm -hmm. to those around her. I don't know if you're going to get anyone to debate you on a woman's nature to nest, to cultivate, a woman's nature to be sensitive to others. Now, you'll get someone to debate you on on a a whole lot of other aspects of what it means to be a woman, but those two foundational pieces, 1st St. John Paul II, are very, very important because therein lies their feminine genius, Mm -hmm. specifically how their receptivity and how their sensitivity build up, just not the body of Christ, yes, but specifically who they are in relationship to God and who they are in relationship to their vocation, especially a spouse and mother.
1: We have such an incredible vocation as women. Our vocation in the world... um, my mother and father used to, my father used to say of my mother, she's the heart of our house. Mm. Your mother is the heart of our house. And, um, you know, back then I didn't appreciate that much like I do now. But you, you see God through a mom. Mm-hmm. You you feel the security also through a father. I don't want to speak in general terms here, but um, how many times have I heard people say, you know, I, I'm in the church because my grandma prayed for me, or because of my mom's example. So often we hear that, and we have a dignity that was placed in us by God to nurture, to love, to bring that to a very hard world. In the office, they call me the mama, and it's it's interesting because just the other day, uh, it seems that God always brings the hurting into my into my room. Mm. And before long, I'm hugging somebody, yeah, or yeah. we're crying together. And that's a, a gift that God's given me to heal. Sure. To heal. Ladies, that's an important gift. That's an important gift that God has given you, placed in your heart to nurture and love not just your family, but those that they bring that he brings to you.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I also hear in what you're saying, Debbie, is that, as your mother spoke to it so beautifully, uh, the mother is the heart of the home. She's the heart of the home because, she, yes, she nurtures, she cultivates, she nests, but also she is sensitive to others' needs. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So as you receive, you are at the same time really sensitive to others' needs. You talk about being called mom at the office. Mm-hmm. They turn to you because you are sensitive. Mm. And I think this also speaks to something else here, Debbie. Uh, there's a lot of uh, women in your office. Mm. And so do they not have this? Well, of course they have mm-hmm. it. But the other aspect of this whole discussion is what you feed grows. Mm. Gifts expand the more you use them. You are a seasoned woman. Okay. <laughs> and you have something <laughs> Salty to offer. Sailor.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have
0: something to offer, just not your home, but everyone that you're around, Mm -hmm. and so people are going to be drawn to that. Debbie, you read something Mm -hmm. for me before we came on air here that I, I wanted to reflect with a little bit, because it does certainly speak to what we're talking about now.
1: It says, alone the man does not completely realize his essence of being made in the image and likeness of God. He realizes it only by existing with someone else. God created the woman in her uniqueness. It is the woman who is the helper. This doesn't refer to practical things of life like cooking and cleaning and caring for the kids. It means the woman helps the man discover his own humanity, his own capacity for relational self giving.
0: Amen. And I absolutely loved that Debbie because as we talk about the feminine genius in the light of receptivity, What is the masculine genius, the ability to give? And can man, the male, realize who he is called to be as a son of God and all of his potential if if he is not giving of himself? Right. What does Paul say in Ephesians 5, verses 20, 21, 22? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, if you want to realize who you are, as created in the image and likeness of God, as a son of God, you must lay your life down just as Christ laid his life down for the church. Love, and you will come to know who you are mm-hmm. as a son of God.
1: Who's the author there again? It's Katrina Zeno.
0: What Katrina Zeno is saying in that work there essentially is men, if you want to discover <laughs> your greatness, mm-hmm then lay your life down. Yes. Lay your life down and understand that the woman is a gift. Not to do whatever you want to do with her in some utilitarian sense, mm-hmm. right? No. A gift to love. A gift so as to sacrifice for. And of course, as we have discussed in great detail, Debbie, in that mutual giving and receiving, what do you have? The very sharing in the inner life of God, Mm. right? Because remember, what is the Trinity? Love given, love received, love shared. Could we not say, in the light of that definition of the Trinity, that you have something that points to the masculine and the feminine genius? Yes. Yes. Love given, love received. And when love is properly given and when love is properly received, what do you have? Love shared. Yes. Love shared. That's why the Trinity is the archetype to all things concerning Christian love, right, mm-hmm. especially applied to marriage, especially applied to marriage. So the importance of the woman then to be open to receive the gift.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. And that requires so much trust. And oh. so, you know, doesn't yeah. it? Yes. I, I, I'm trusting who I am to you yeah. and you're trusting who you are to me in shared love and trusting that you won't abuse that trust and I won't abuse that trust and boy, if we can get to that point, if we can get to that point of of real trust of one another, God just does magnificent things. We had a a plaque in our house that said, "The most loving thing a father can do for his children is love their mother." Amen. We had that hanging, yeah. and my folks believe that. Yes, that's that's the greatest gift you give, is loving each other, and having that that example for your children. Amen. You
0: know? And thank you for bringing up trust there, Debbie, because who do we have as the model par excellence to the feminine genius, specifically to this great um, act in virtue of faith, trust, but Mary. Yes. Right? Yep. She's who
1: uh, who came to me. Yes.
0: Mary. (laughs) How can we not think of Mary spontaneously when we talk about the feminine genius, when we talk about this call to be receptive, Mm -hmm. right, as she was the first receptacle of God, if you will. And at the same time, uh, one who was so sensitive. Yeah. There she is at the wedding feast at Cana, sensitive to the needs of the people around her, mm-hmm. right? Jesus, we're out of wine, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> All the way to the cross. Yeah. Is she receiving and trusting and at the same time being sensitive to the needs of others
1: and nurturing the early church i mean Amen. jesus left her to nurture that those apostles and, and love them as Amen. a mama. Oh, mama can do
0: and there are so many other women women we can speak to debbie certainly who did jesus first appear to but saint mary magdalene saint thomas aquinas called saint mary magdalene the apostle of the apostles
1: I've heard that. I the have apostle that. of the apostles. That's, that's something.
0: right? That's extraordinary. Yeah. And that's an extraordinary thing. Why? Because she was the first voice heard. Mm-hmm. Right? She was the first to proclaim that our Lord rose. An extraordinary yeah. thing. Yeah. An extraordinary thing. And all throughout the history of the church, we see women playing an important role. We were talking about St. Paul and him surrounding himself with women earlier. Yes. Uh, Priscilla. Mm -hmm. Priscilla and Aquila, the the married couple. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 to 2, he says, make sure that you take care of Phoebe because Phoebe has taken care of me, Mm -hmm. right? And if you carefully read the book of Acts, he's constantly surrounding himself with women because he understands they have an important role to play. Right. And if you were to look at uh, some of the most recent doctors of the church proclaimed, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Trez of Lisieux, St. Hildegard of Bingen, all four women, doctors, teachers of the faith, right? And, and it's interesting. What Paul was saying there in First Corinthians 14 was they don't have the role to homilize, mm-hmm. to preach in, in your congregation, but that doesn't mean they can't be teachers. right? That doesn't mean that they can't be great educators. That doesn't mean that they can't be doctors of the church, right? Because right. we have so many. The question that looms as we are talking about this is, why are there female doctors of the church Mm -hmm. within that that word sensitivity you find a deep deep understanding of the heart of christ Mm -hmm. and so in that deeper understanding of the heart of christ you have these great women revealing something about the heart of christ that well quite simply most men don't get and so you read the writings of these great saints and you're inspired Mm -hmm.
1: There's a, another sentence here I thought was absolutely beautiful. So she says, The uniqueness of woman is awesome. Without her, the male cannot realize the meaning of his existence. Well, that's quite the strong statement. And that is to exist with and for someone. That his existence is realized in his wife. Those two becoming one, they become one flesh the beauty of it is just the the beauty of um, the merging of two. The first woman was a gift to her husband, came from his side. He was lonely. Adam was lonely. And then God took out that rib and formed this woman and gave her as a gift to him. And gosh, if all of us thought of each other as gifts, um, there might be a few happier marriages mm-hmm, <laughs> in mm-hmm. this little world of ours. Yeah. Um, but you bring up, um, you know, these the saintly women as well. And, and I just wanted to kind of touch, you know, just ever so briefly on Teresa of Lisieux, little, the little flower. Yeah. 24 years old, folks, when she died. And she's a doctor of the church. And she was a cloistered nun. That is feminine genius. Mm-hmm. That is God working with such a humble piece of clay. Mm-hmm. She was so moldable. Mm-hmm. Um, If you've not read uh, the story of a soul, I highly recommend it. Um, It's her little way. 24 years old, that uh, blew me away. St. Catherine of Siena was 33 when she died. Mm -hmm. What God can do when we open ourselves.
0: It's extraordinary. It really is extraordinary. And you mentioned St. Therese of Lisieux. St. John Paul II would love to speak about St. Therese of Lisieux within the very specific context of having a heart for God's people. Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the great stories that comes to us from Story of a Soul is her deep desire, her deep ache, her Mm -hmm. wounded ache to pray for those who who no one was praying for, specifically atheists. Mm -hmm. She had this devotion to pray for atheists. She had this devotion to pray for a lot of people. Certainly, she took some brother seminarians on to pray for, Mm -hmm. but she had this devotion to pray for atheists. And that's the kind of heart that St. John Paul II would love to talk about. And I bring that up, Debbie, because what yeah. does it speak to? She was sensitive to those around her who needed her. Yeah. Right? Even as a cloistered nun. Yes, yes. 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 Oh, you talk about... So beautiful. Yes. I mean, we talk about her being a doctor of the church. She is the patron saint of missions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that might seem like... Yeah
1: never par- left the convent a, a, a
0: paradox right <laughs> she never left the convent why would she be the patron saint of all missionaries alongside of saint francis xavier well because she had a heart for all people right she was evangelizing in and through her sacrificial prayer and so in this way we are made to appreciate the feminine genius within saint therese of Lisieux. Um, the story of a, a soul is so interesting to me debbie because if i dare say so At first glance, it's a boring read. Mm -hmm. It's a boring read until you get into the spirituality Mm -hmm. of who this woman is and what she's doing. Yeah, you know, I I teach spiritual theology and and I've taught a number of courses on Saint Therese of Lisieux, and and people pick up the story of his soul and they're like, "Dr. Holcroft, this is boring." You know, (laughs) and then once they get into it and pray with it, they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" I'm like, "Well, wait, two weeks ago you said this was so boring." They entered into, I dare say, again. Her feminine genius. Yeah. Right. And how she was called to receive the gift of God that was given to her, Mm -hmm. right, as a bride Mm -hmm. of Christ. And then in that mode of being a daughter of God, being sensitive to others' needs, she realized the beauty of her vocation and she embraced each and every moment of it. Yeah. With that, let us go ahead and close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.